Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Great to be together again. Great to uh, to be back into the fellowship again. As you probably know, Florence and I spent about two and a half weeks in Georgia with the kids, the grandkids, visiting with all the family, pulling them all together into one room, which is no easy task with where they are and where we are and what everybody's doing, but we did it. We managed to get everybody together for a while and it was a lot of fun. We we really enjoyed it. Uh, It was time very much needed. I don't know that we're gonna get to do it again this year. Hopefully at some point uh, as we go through next year, we'll get everybody together, but it was good to be there. But it's also really good to be back. It's good to be back into the fellowship again, uh, back in Connecticut, back, back home again. We're probably two days left uh, into, of our quarantine. We had a 14-day quarantine, so we've been on the phone a lot, Zoom, but nobody in person. So we look forward to setting up some one-on-one times, having some couples over again, watching our distancing, being being smart, being healthy, of course, but just being able to see everybody. So uh, great to be back. We did miss you. Things are going well here from what I can see. So uh, Pat did a great job. The other speakers, I know it's been, uh, it's been a great experience. So um, Amen. Good to be here. Today I want to talk about identity and what our identity is and where we find our identity and what God thinks is important in terms of our identity and what we think is important and maybe what other people, what what they see, what they would think is important. So we're going to work all that together see what we come up with. But let's begin by going to Galatians chapter 3. We'll get there in just a moment. But I want to ask you a question. How important is your identity to you? You would probably say, well, it's it's very important. It's, it's who I am. And that's true. It's who you are. We love our personal identity, don't we? And sometimes we go to great lengths to create and to build a certain identity, whether it's how we dress or what we say, or maybe it's our likes and our dislikes. We want to be known for somebody who is, you know, pro this or or not pro that, or, you know, we, we, we love these kind of things, whether it's music or art or sports, but we don't like this. So, you know, those are important to us, those things that we, um, that we like and dislike. Also, probably a bit more important is our beliefs. You know, what do we kind of dig our heels in? What do we believe to be right and true? Where does that, that moral compass, you know, line and and what things do we not believe? That's important as well. And also along those lines, what we stand for. Like what are the things that we feel like, you know what, when you look at my life, this particular thing, whatever it might be, topic, position, I dig my heels in here, I take a stand on this. And also maybe some things that we're willing to take a seat on. Like this is not a really big deal to me, so you know, I'm not gonna die on that mountain, so I don't really have a strong feeling about this particular thing, whatever it may be, one way or the other. So all these things kind of work into our identity. Identity is important. In fact, we not only go to great lengths to create it, but to protect it, right? So identity protection uh, is a big thing. There's a huge industry just to make sure that you stay you and only you and nobody else tries to become you. So identity is huge. Here's a big question. This is very popular right now. 
what do you identify as? Now, that can be a lot of things. Maybe it's where you're from. Maybe it's a, it's a country. Maybe it's a region uh, of this country. Maybe it's, uh, you know, on foreign soil. Uh, that might be important. And to a lot of people, certainly that, that would be. Your culture. For a lot of people, that's a really big part of their identity. For some, maybe not so much. But some people I know have really grabbed onto their culture, which is which is great. Florence loves her Scottish culture. She she does research. She does the Ancestry.com. She had me do it. I didn't get mine back yet. We'll see. I'm not exactly sure what my mind's all about, but we'll find out. Not that big a deal for me, but for her, it was a big deal for her, but also for me. So so culture identity is huge. Maybe it's more. Maybe it's a career. Many people identify by career. Oh, I'm a doctor, or I'm a uh, mechanic, or I'm a chef, or whatever it might be. That that's that's a big part of who you are. Maybe it's a hobby. I'm a runner. I'm a painter. I'm a musician. Whatever it might be. I think for a lot of people, also, it's a station in life. I identify as being a dad, or being a mom, or being uh, a husband, or being a wife, or being a student. Let's say. I think for a lot of people, also, it could be just your your age bracket I mean that's a really big deal right so maybe you identify as being a boomer or a millennial or a Gen X or a Gen Z or whatever it might be but when we say any of these whether it's culture whether it's it's age whether it's uh, profession whether it's it's hobby we have a pretty good idea of what we're talking about to have your identity in something or as something pretty much says that you've made some effort, maybe an intentional effort, uh, maybe it just fell upon you, but you've developed it, but there's some effort to, to be known as something. There's, there's an investment there. You would hardly say you were a pilot if you were never in the cockpit of a plane. You would hardly say you were a painter if you've never picked up a brush. Uh, you wouldn't say you're a musician if you've never played an instrument or sang a song. And so, Here's another question to consider. With all of those other identifiers in your life, do you identify as being Christian? Now, I'm not talking about a box you check off on some form, but, but more in, in lifestyle. Would you say, yeah, when I look at my lifestyle, or maybe when other people look at my lifestyle, or even more important still, when, when God looks at my lifestyle, can I clearly say I identify as Christian. We know all of what those other things would look like. But what would what would this look like? And I think that's a good question. And so today I want to talk about our identity, but more specifically our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Now the Apostle Paul was very aware of the importance of our identity in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 we read, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, clothing is a big identifier, right? You can tell pretty much what somebody's into by their clothing, whether they wear athletic clothing, or maybe they wear business suits, or maybe they wear all casual attire. You can kind of see, you know, what their, where their interests are. Paul says, but we've been clothed with Christ. So that should be a pretty clear identifier without having to dig too deep. He says we've been clothed with Christ. We've clothed ourselves with Christ. 
Now, listen to what he says here. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those are some really clear identifiers, right? So he says Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. I mean, you would clearly see one or the other. But he says, well, if our, if our identity is in Christ, even though we have all those things, our, our core, the center, is that you're in Christ. And all of us collectively, all together, whether we are Jew, Gentile, male, female, whatever the, the, the classification of, of today might be, in the church, we're all one in Christ. Now, he builds on that just a little bit in Galatians 6. I'm just going to read one verse, 15. He says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. So he says, look, when you get right down to the bottom of it, what's really most important is that God has actually recreated us. And so your identity isn't even something that you just borrowed or you, you found, but it's something that was, that was created, that God actually made you into something different, that God gave you this, this new identity. So what does he mean by that? Well, he, he builds on this thought just a little bit more in 2 Corinthians 5. Again, one verse, write it down, go back and look at it later. But it's in verse 17. You're probably familiar with it anyway. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, okay, so not an associate, but if you're actually in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So again, our identity in Christ means that God made you into something that previously wasn't there that God has has built you into something something new now I want you to look with me over in Colossians chapter 3 because he, he gets into this in an even even deeper way it's, it's, it's really an awesome uh, way we, we get a, a bigger picture of this of this identity in Christ and uh, we're gonna pick this up this is Colossians 3 in verse 1 since then you've been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, I mean, that's even more specific, is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, as, as he often does, Paul brings our connection with Christ back to the cross. And, and really, as Christians... Doesn't everything have to get back to the foot of the cross? He says, we died, our life is hidden with Christ. I love that, hidden with Christ. It's almost like when people see us, when people meet us, they don't, they don't really see us. They see Christ. Now, I realize they see us. You've got your personality and your, your, your character and, and your identity, yes. But since you're a new creation, what they actually see is Jesus. And that comes out in the way you speak and act and the lifestyle that we're going to talk about for the rest of this time. But we are that, that, that new creation. But he brings it back to the cross. And uh, I think that's really important because everything, again, everything that we are, everything that we do, has to ultimately at some point get back to the foot of the cross. Everything that Christ did in his life was leading him to the cross. Everything that we do in our lives as Christians is because of the cross. And if we're trying to genuinely and sincerely identify as Christian, 
then we have to, in a very real, in a very tangible way, identify with the cross, or it just simply won't happen. And I think this was something that Paul was able to do really, really well. Look with me in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to pick this up in verse 1. Philippians 3, verse 1. Paul says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, listen to what he says here, because he's kind of going back in his life a little bit. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But... Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I want to know Christ, yes, the, to, to know the, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, and I, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a great text. Look at what Paul is saying. What do you think in his pre-Christian days was the root, was the basis of his identity? It's who he was as a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, you know, he, he considered himself faultless in the, in the, in the law. I mean, he was well-educated. He, he was trained by a man named Gamaliel. Gamaliel was probably the prominent, premier uh, Jewish rabbi of the day. I mean, this would be like, you know, studying with the, the, the most world-renowned musician, if that's what you were, or painter, if that's what you were, or whatever interest you have. Try to think of the premier, most prominent person in that field, and that was your private teacher. Well, so that's what Paul had. That was his life. He was wealthy. He was privileged. He was, he was honored. That was his life, right? But how does he feel about it now that he's a Christian? He says, well, compared with identifying with Christ, it was garbage. It really means nothing. I mean, that's how much his identity in Christ meant to him. You know, as disciples, I believe we're all striving to become like Christ in his life, right? So we look at 
what the Bible says, Jesus did this, I'll do that. Jesus thought this, I'll, I'll think that. Jesus didn't do that, so that I'm, I'm not going to do that. And everything we do in our lives, right, is because of the cross. And so, you know, that, that identity, again, is, is so deeply rooted there. But Paul knew to, to get there, I need to become like him in his death. There's the, the cross component. What does that even mean? become like him in his death. Well, let's think about that for a moment. I'm going to throw you a softball here. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Well, the short answer is this. He died for our sins, right? His suffering, his sacrifice opened the door that, that brought us into a relationship with God by, by having the sin that separates us from God forgiven. Now, my guess is you probably knew that. That was a softball, right? You got that. So now we're going to go from that, that slow pitch softball to a fast pitch softball, a bit more challenging. What are we supposed to do with that? This knowledge, this awareness that Jesus literally died for our sins. What should our response to that be? Well, look with me over in Romans chapter 6. And we're going to pick this up in verse 1. Look at what Paul says. Well, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Remember what we said earlier that your identity in Christ means that you have been recreated. You are something new. Okay, God took you and didn't just fix you up a little bit, but God, but God recreated something in you or created something in you new. And so when we look at this text right here, Paul makes some very profound points. This is really the heart of it. He says, if we died with Christ, then we will also live with him. If we as Christians today can personally identify with the death and the burial and the resurrection, then and only then will we be able to identify with Christ. So let's break that down just a little bit. What are we talking about? Well, there would have to have been a death, right? <laughs> if you died, buried, and rose again with Christ, then you would have had to have died. So the question begs the question, what did you die to? What, what sins did you die to? What attitudes? Or what practices? What unhealthy allegiances did you die to? What thoughts? What worldliness? What bitterness did you die to? What off-base priorities did you die to? Selfishness. Anything that you know that Jesus would not think, say, or do. Those are things that in 
becoming a Christian you would have died to. And so you need to ask yourself another question. Has any of it come back to life? Has anything new been born? The burial was the baptism. It all should have stayed in the water. Now, look, nobody's perfect. I get that. So does God. But I think it's pretty hard to say, I identify Christian if there's still sin in your life that you know about and you're not doing anything about it. Think about that for a moment. You see, when Paul talked about his identity in Christ, it's not just what he died to, but it's also in what he was living in. He knew what he died to. But then it says, you know, the life, in Jesus' case, it goes on to say, the life he lives, he lives to God. Paul knew that the life I live now has to be in Christ. And so we need to talk about this life. Look what he says in verse 8. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So now this is where we go from the fast pitch softball to the major league hardball. Because this is where it gets challenging. This is where, where it gets a little difficult. Do you realize that in sports, one of the most difficult things to do is to hit a major league pitch? I mean, that the ball comes from you for, from about 60, 60 feet. I think it's 60 feet, 6 inches from the pitcher's mound to the, the back of home plate. So 60 feet away, the ball comes to you, and it's traveling anywhere between 85 and maybe 105 miles an hour and it curves so that's why a major league major league batting average of, of 300 is considered excellent but you know what that actually means that means that three times out of seven when you're at the plate you fail to put the ball into play <laughs> that's how difficult it is so let's talk about the life we know what it how it we have to get the life, what it means to, or what it takes to actually get to the life. We, we die, we get, we get buried in the baptism, but what does it mean with this life that we now live to Christ? We died and now we live. How do we do that? What is that all about? For us, the life is where your Christian identity actually does something, because it is something. It's not just what we claim, but it's, it's how we live, because it's who we are. And John made that really clear in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 5, he says, This is how we know we are in him. Anyone who claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. Right, so if we make that claim, if we say, I identify Christian, then we have to live the way Jesus lived. What does that mean? Well, his priorities, his goals, his dreams, his heart, his mind that there's a there's a oneness there we're in Christ now be really honest here doesn't that sound just a little intimidating a little challenging I would say no I would say it's a lot intimidating and a lot challenging it's hardball and you know what Jesus batted a thousand that means he was perfect he never made a mistake with it and, you know, the, the truth is, when you look at the heart and the mind of Jesus, the thought of being that consistent as a friend, as a husband, as a wife, as a, as a parent, as a, as a neighbor, whatever it might be, can be overwhelming. Not that you wouldn't want to be, but that you could be. 
we have to be very intentional with this. With everything else that factors into your personal identity, identifying first as Christian is really what's most important. So again, this is not an easy walk. This is, this is not for the faint of heart. The process of becoming like Jesus in how we think and how we live is, is not simply changing a few things in your character any more than repentance is changing a few bad habits. Living like Jesus is deeper than change. It requires a transformation into his likeness, and, and that's not done overnight. It's an ongoing daily pro process. And there's going to be times when it's going great, and there's going to be times when it just stinks. But we stay with it because we love Jesus. Look at me in 2 Peter chapter 1. This will be our last turn. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to begin here in verse 3. Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escaped, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The important thing to get here is that you are totally incapable of transforming yourself into this likeness. I want that to settle in. You are totally incapable of a transformation into the likeness of Christ on your own. Now, maybe you've had great success with other identifiers in your life, professionally, personally, whatever it might be, by, by working hard, by applying yourself, great. Guess what? That doesn't work here. No matter how awesome you think you might be, the, the power to transform you into the image of Christ so completely that Christ is, your, is actually your identity is something only God can do. We simply don't have it in us. The pull from the world is too strong. God equips us with what we need to escape a corrupt world, to be, to be part of his kingdom. So, so yes, God has to do it. But it's also not all on God. The power to transform is, is within God. The discipline to transform is within you. Look at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever doesn't have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their past sins. You see, we have this partnership with God. And part of that partnership is that God gives us free will. He makes everything we need for an awesome life in Christ available to us, but he doesn't force anybody to, to take it or to use it. How you identify in this world is your choice. The power to give you an identity in Christ is on God, but the discipline to follow through with it, with it is on you. And that's why Peter says, make every effort. Be disciplined. That's why Paul said earlier, you know, I'm straining and I'm striving to get there. It takes discipline. Not many of these things that we've just read come easy. 
but they're important characteristics of Jesus and they, they need to be important characteristics of us if Christ is to be our identity. But if we miss this, as Peter says, then we miss everything. We may say we're in Christ, but we have nothing to show for it and people will see right through you. So in verse 10, we wrap it up right here. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. You know what he's saying there? Make every effort to make sure that your identity is in Christ. For if you do these things, here's the great promise. Okay, so you can identify with a lot of other things. You can identify in, in being an athlete and, and get injured, and, and that identity is gone. You can identify in being, uh, you know, a, a painter, and, and, and you lose your eyesight, and that identity is gone. So a lot of our, our identities, our identifiers, actually can come and go. But this is one that can stick around for eternity. He says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Identity is awesome. And let's make sure however you identify that you first identify as Christian. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.